Hello, welcome to the N17 podcast. My name's Cosmo, and tonight I'm joined by Eddie. Yo. <laughs> that was a bit delayed. <laughs> a <bit> Sorry. Delayed. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> we're joined by Aaron. Good evening. How are we all doing? I feel like the the mood around Tottenham Hotspur is quite positive at the moment. I was, I was looking at the, for comparison, I was looking at the, when it was when we lost to Brighton, 31st of January. I feel like this is almost like the flip side of that. Everything's feeling pretty good. Yeah, I'm, I'm going ahead. Oh, I've got, got it, i got it. Uh, yeah, so I think it's a case of we're on a bit of a wave and we need to keep it going because we are getting to, to crunch time in the season where losses now are going to throw us off course. And I think, obviously, with Arsenal at the weekend, we've got to stay on, on the right track. And obviously... With with a victory over Arsenal, that could that is going to only maximise the the potential we can get out of the rest of the season. It's a, it would be a real a, a victory with any sort of victory is going to be a, a statement victory, and uh, it's only going to support our top four push because I, I generally think the the top four is on. I've, I I just feel that Leicester and West Ham and Everton will fall at some point. I've just got I've just got a gut feeling that it will happen. Obviously, Rogers has got history of falling. Uh, later stages and seasons, Pre- last year with Leicester and with with Liverpool as well. I, w- I won't I won't count any of the the Scotland stuff because that doesn't really count. But obviously, late last season with Leicester, they they, they fell off, and obviously with Liverpool, um, they fell off. So I think if we can if we can keep going the way we are, I believe that those three clubs will will slip, and I believe that it's us and Chelsea for third and fourth. I'm just curious because we haven't had you on for a while, Aaron. I, I was mm. curious as to where you were when the mood was very much moving against Jose Mourinho. Were you always? I feel like you're a positive person. I feel like you always believed yeah. that top four was on. Uh I think I'd come to the conclusion that I was. I, I, I was never Jose out. I, I was never. I was never Jose out. And I, I know that some of the some of the boys on here may have been, and definitely some of the listeners would have been. But I was I was never I was never Jose out. Uh, I genuinely believe that in a one-off game that we've got in the cup final, we've got a very good chance. I, I never thought that Levy was going to sack him, and I think that was that was clear from the start that as, as long as we were in that final, there was no chance that Jose was going to go. And we were still in the, in the European competition as well. And I just think Levy would have definitely bet on us. Uh, getting to the latter stages of the of the Europa League, and obviously we're seen as one of the the favourites at the moment. We've got an advantage going into the second leg as well. But I, I I was never Jose out, but I was obviously unhappy with the with the league form. And uh, but no, hopefully we have since obviously as you mentioned Brighton, we have had some positive results, and we're now on the up again. Um, and obviously that is linked to the form of certain players that I'm sure we'll come on to a bit a bit later on. Right, let's come on to that uh, Europa League match. Obviously, 2-0 against Dinamo. Put out quite a strong side apart from the defence, but Jose mentioned that he did need to rotate Alderweireld. Obviously, Alderweireld's getting on in age a little bit now, can't play every game. But I think one of the one of the things that was borne out in the performance was that Sanchez looks a bit more confident now and he looks like he can sort of lead a defence. I wouldn't say, I, I wouldn't want to see it over more than one game to be honest, but he's looking a bit more confident um, without Alderweireld next to him. But um, 
obviously the person that stole the show was Harry Kane. Uh, two goals. That's 26 goals and 16 assists in 37 games for him this season. And I like those are just mind-boggling numbers. And yet still, I feel like the conversation, arguably rightly around Tottenham at the moment, is has all been about Bale. And I kind of feel like at times, Kane's greatness goes a bit under the radar, a little bit. And I was actually listening to another Spurs podcast um, a bit earlier today. And they said something which surprised me so much was that since 2015, Harry Kane hasn't won player of the season for Spurs. But if you were to look over the last six years, who's been the best player for Tottenham Hotspur? Harry Kane, no question about it. And Aaron, I see you making a face. I'll read the people that have won it instead of him. So 2016, Alderweireld, 2017, Eriksson, 2018, Vertonghen, 2019, Son and 2020, Son. So obviously I rambled a little bit there, Eddie, but you know. What did you make of Kane's performance? And is he a bit, does he go a bit underrated, perhaps underloved? Mm. So the funny thing about the debate surrounding Kane is that obviously people who don't support Tottenham criminally underrated. This is a fact. I believe that because um, the amount of disrespect that he gets from pundits, I'm not, and, and and people go on about how he's loved by the media. Maybe not in post game analysis because you can't, you know, you're witnessing a master of f- striking ability. You're you're witnessing the best striker in the world at the moment, and obviously during punditry you can't deny that. But he seems to be left out of conversations in a broader sense when other players are being talked about. We looked at Erling Haaland, who broke the record uh, last week um, for quickest uh, in the last week for the quickest amount of uh, 20, 20, 20 goals. To qu- he got to 20 goals the quickest in, in Champions League history. And in all the lists that were being listed, Harry Kane was not even in the list, even though he was the current uh, um, record Older. holder. Yeah, And, and, and the, it, stuff like that leads me to believe, yeah, he must be criminally underrated because... The fact of the matter is, if you look at his, just primarily his goals as a striker, he's been one of the best strikers in the, over the last five years. Then you look at what he brings to the team um, before this season, which is he, he drives the team. He's he's so intelligent. He he helps defend. He brings the ball forward. He's got such an intelligence about him, footballing-wise. And then this season, much to you know what Jose, Jose had promised him, he's flourished into uh, just a, a, a fantastic creative outlet. He's currently still top of the assist league in in the Premier League, and we're talking about a league which has an astonishing amount of creative players. When you talk about Fernandez, De Bruyne, even English talents like Madison and Grealish, and he's still at the top. And not only that, he's still getting the goals that he got. He's already got more goals this season than he got last season. And I know he's not been out for three months this year, but that just goes to show that, you know, aside from the fact that he's still getting the goals, he's now also contributing in terms of bringing other people into play. And we're just looking at, just looking at his profile of striker, looking at the way he plays. He gets underloved by people outside the club. And I think if you look at those those people who won um, Player of the Year, I reckon every single um, one of those years he was probably second. 
And I think mm. the reason why um, you you look at, you see the names that have won it, I think Vertonghen perhaps for sentimental reasons, because we knew that he was, although he played fantastically in the, that 2018 season. And I think if you look at Alderweireld, it's because he's had the same effects, you know, the same way like Hoybier has, where Alderweireld came in and then immediately became the bedrock of a fantastic season. And I think Kane, has his norm is being so brilliant that it kind of goes under the radar. You think Kane puts in a 7 out of 10 performance and you don't even register it. But he's doing these things every eight single game. Yeah. Even an eight, I, I, I his think normal he's Fulham game. scoring a goal. That's exactly. If he doesn't get a goal, it's a disappointment, which is crazy. Like you, So what you're saying essentially is that he has to have um, uh, a goal contribution per game in, in order for the for the performance to even be registered. And and that's what is astonishing. That's how I think he has to make two. Game. I think he has to make at least two because look at um, the game against Palace where I obviously don't want to take anything away from Bell, who I think is, honestly, I think his form is... His form is probably, this is a big statement, but I think his form is uh, um, around the best in, in the world right now. Like, he's one of the best. Wing- the way Bale was playing, he's one of the best on, on current form. And I didn't want to say that. So I'm going slightly off topic talking about Bale. We were <laughs> going to talk about him later. But like, I feel like I didn't want to admit, I didn't want to admit that he was coming onto that form just in case he fell off again. But, Against Zagreb, like he just showed that class again. Like that ball he put in with the outside of his foot. Second was touch just, was just crazy. Yeah. Like he's playing amazing. But one of the things when Eddie was talking about how Harry Kane's sort of like median slash average is him scoring a goal, it made me think that when we were talking about the players of the season for Tottenham, considering this is a Tottenham Hotspur supporters fan vote, I almost feel like as a fan base, we just love an underdog. And Harry Kane is not an underdog. Um, yeah, think, maybe. Aaron, why do you think he he goes almost a bit... I do think he is underrated by our fans a little bit. In, in a way, in a weird way. We know he's great, but we don't love him on... like Maybe we don't love him as much as we did with Gareth Bale in his first stint, even, you could say. Yeah, I think it's because the level of consistency that he has brought upon his own name is mad. He Who's is incredibly. Name? <laughs> yeah. name? <laughs> that shows that it's been around since day one. The the sort the yeah. ridiculous questioning of him. He he is incredibly consistent. Like as every year, he's he's grabbing, he's breaking Spurs records. He's breaking unbelievable goal scoring tallies that he's set for himself. Um, and I think it's because that. We expect it of him. It's not a surprise to us that, like going back to earlier on when you mentioned why is Bale getting more credit than than Kane? I think it's because prior to Gareth Bale's recent run of form, our expectation was that Kane is going to carry the load, assisted not physically within the game. Well, we are sometimes assisted by Kane with uh, some for the goal, but Kane and some were the the, tr- the the duo that we were expecting our goal contributions to come from. And now that um, that that was the norm, and now that Bale has taken some of the the shine away, particularly from from Son, who has been a bit, uh, I, I think Son not off form. Just we know we all know he's a streaky player. Yeah, he's he's a streaky player who goes through mad purple patches. 
but um, he is he is not in a purple patch right now. And obviously that has paved the way for, for Bale to take some of the the credit. But it is it is all there because of um, Kane's consistency and him not doing anything out of the ordinary. Obviously we, we've seen him do pieces of magic. That goal against Palace was quite frankly stupid. Sensational. Like, like, it was ridiculous. What do you say about it? Yeah, you, 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 can't, you can't describe it. I was trying to think like, how would you describe it? It was almost as if he took a corner kick the way he struck it. He but then whipped yeah, it across like a mad the goal to the far post. Across the keeper. Yeah. It's very difficult. Yeah, it's kind of like striking a dead ball in the sense that mm. like you when you when you're crossing it in, you want to get a kind of that whip on the ball. Except he's taking it, you know, on he's taking it as a pass. And what you have to do to to get that amount of power and accuracy is like a sensational technique. You can put it anywhere else. Yeah, because the key, it, you know, we were talking about even f- when Fulham beat Liverpool, when Lamina scored, you're thinking, yeah, you, he can't finish that. You can't put that in any other place in the goal. It's that kind of finish where the, the ball can only end up in one spot, otherwise it doesn't go in. So he's perfectly read where Guaita is. He's perfectly read where that corner is. It doesn't even go off the post. It goes right into the, in, right into the net. Didn't he's, take a touch. Use the pace of the ball. I don't Man. think many players in the in the world could do that. I've, he he's got to be up there. As... He's, he's he's known where goals and, and and. Oh, Eddie, you you lagged a lot there. What what did you just say? Sorry. Oh, I think he's no, freezing. No, there I, we go. So I, he knows where. Ed is having Wait. some some technical difficulties. <laughs> yeah, I think yeah. Sorry, um, sorry, Eddie. You might have to go off the off the video. Yeah, might actually. Might um. But yeah, Aaron, who else can you see doing that with with that whip? Like, well, there was there was a period I'd say from about five years ago to three years ago, I was very convinced that Harry Kane was the the best striker in the world, in the sense that Luis Suarez taken big dips, and I just preferred Kane to Lewandowski. But over the past two years, Lewandowski has been in like stupid form, like unreal form. Obviously, we all know he would have. He would have got a Ballon d'Or if they hadn't have cancelled the award, um, which I think was was unnecessary to cancel the award. I, in my in my head, Lewandowski has a Ballon d'Or as well, but I think he on 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 current form, it's difficult to compare in some instances because Lewandowski is playing in the Champions League, and uh, Bayern are doing what they're doing in the in the Bundesliga, and we are considerably lower in the Premier League than, than Bayern are in the Bundesliga, and obviously Kane scoring goals against. Zagreb and uh, and the like but um, I think it is it is clear that they are the top two and then you've got a, a tier below them of other strikers as well but they are the top two by, by a country mile I think those two are in a tier of their own definitely oh yeah no, 100% I think Haaland's coming up on them as well though but um, I think if you put Kane That's in fair. that Bayern sides he'd be getting like three goals a game Bayern City I think he would just be insane. But um, that's not to say that we're a bad side. I think the form has just been so encouraging lately. I think we do have to caveat it slightly that we we did see these as, as a winnable run of games. But I think it's surpassed mm. all expectations, particularly when you look at where we were. Um, let's you let's get... I just, just, sorry, just before go we on, go on, you say that, but some of the teams we've played against have got results against other 
I'm putting inverted commas up here, big six teams. Historically, mm-hmm. in honour slips as well. Yeah, so Burnley and Fulham, just straight off the bat, they've got results against other people. I'm pretty confident the Palace have earlier in the year as well. So let's not let's not go around saying that we haven't put these this run of games together that we don't deserve. And the, yes, they were winnable games, but other top four contenders have dropped points against these teams. And obviously, we've dropped points in other areas as well. But yeah. These, these were fixtures that other people have come unstuck in. And it was something on The Athletic as well, on, on their Spurs pod, they po- they pointed out that um, Spurs, historically, we weren't putting away these teams. We were drawing 1-1 with these teams mm-hmm. earlier in the season with Palace, with Wolves. And then now we're starting to thrash them, which is, uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's really encouraging to see. Um, I don't want to go too much into detail with the, with the Zagreb game, but I do want to touch on the fact that Obviously, we did dominate that game from start to finish and we only got a 2-0 victory. Um, Jose, after the game, said he thinks the game, uh, the performance didn't necessarily reflect the result. But I still think 2-0 at home in the first leg is a positive result. It means that Zagreb are going to have to score three without reply. And if we get a goal, then then four goals. So we're definitely in the in the driving seat. But what do you guys think about the overall result, if we left ourselves with maybe a bit more to do than, than necessary? Um, I don't think, I mean, we look at the Zagreb side, aside from the opening Blitzkrieg, which was honestly quite astonishing. Um, I honestly thought, I don't know if you guys, I know Aaron just caught that he caught it like two or three minutes in. Did you, or did you watch it from the beginning? Yeah. The opening minute was kind of like, we've been flashbanged almost like, it was it was such a disorientating opening uh, where they actually genuinely did look dangerous. But aside from that, I never felt we were really under pressure, which is like interesting because even against even in games where we played really well in the first half, in the second half we have like come out and allowed teams to have the ball. We didn't allow that to happen. Um, so I think you know, and and that's against teams which are, we are like just much better at. And I think we never allowed that to happen over the whole game. So I don't really, I'm not really concerned about um, the second leg. So I didn't feel that, that we were under any kind of real pressure. Um, so I think we could comf- comfortably go through the next round. And let's not forget, this is a team that, the team that played didn't have Reguilón, didn't have Lacelso, didn't have Lucas, uh, you know, didn't have uh, Bell from the beginning. You know, we have players that can come into that game and completely change the dynamic, as what happened in the 60th minute when we needed more energy. We have players that can change that game if we do need that bit of a, a bit more different, a di- bit more of a different approach. So I think Tuna wasn't the, the result that we probably wanted over the course of the game. A third goal would have been beautiful. It would have essentially we can we can safely say that barring any kind of Actual calamities, I reckon we'll go through just fine. And we had an absolutely blatant. We had an absolutely blatant penalty not given. I've never seen (laughs) a more stonewall penalty. Like at the time, I was like (laughs) screaming about it on my sofa, and then when I saw VAR, it got not even VAR. When I saw the instant replay, it got even worse. But yeah, they didn't even check it for VAR, did they? I don't know what VAR is doing in Europe. There's been some. There's been some really, really insane calls even in the United game where um where Kessie had a goal that was ruled out even though it came off his hip, it didn't come off his hand and they actually checked it. So it, like VAR in Europe I mean VAR everywhere has been a bit of a bit of a nightmare. 
but we've we've um, we've divulged on VAR quite a lot earlier in the season. We know it's problems, and uh, consistency is the the biggest thing. Like that and Dombele penalty is a penalty. He literally stops him in his tracks, and on I don't see how in any shape or form that's not given as a penalty. So yeah, it does astonish me really. But two 0 is a fine result. In general, I thought um, Ndombele was was excellent, <laughs> but I think like the ref for some reason just gave them free license to just kick Ndombele. He got fouled everyone so much in that everyone. game, but especially Ndombele. It was I don't know. At first, I thought it was interesting that the the referee let the play go on because I thought we got fouled. And then the play went on, but then and then one of our defenders fouled, and then the play went on. And I was thinking, fair enough. If he's going to be consistent with both teams, we might as well just uh, you know allow the game to flow. But then there were some crazy decisions. Like even before that, and Dombele literally got blocked off when he went on a marauding run right through the heart of their midfield. Then he just got blocked off by, by two players, and the referee didn't give it as a free kick. So I think we just kind of saw that coming really. And Jed called it straight away. So he's. He's not going to give it as a pen. And, you know, Jed being Jed, the, the pessimist, he was actually correct. <laughs> in that. Yeah, but when is Jed ever going to call like an optimistic <laughs> decision? Like, to be fair, He's, I, I just put a bet on three nil Zagreb in the in the second leg. <laughs> would have called it already. I would not put that past him at all. Um, <laughs> I think Eddie. One of the things you mentioned were were the changes that triple substitution. It was quite bold, but it worked. Worked well, and. Um, yeah, we touched on him a little bit before, but Bale's form, incredible. And I just wanted to touch on a, a tweet by Raj from um, from over at Rural Roost when he said that Bale and Kane together, it's literally, it's like fan fiction. That, that's come to, it's like Tottenham Hotspur fan fiction. Like, I think in that Palace game, that just finally confirms that, you know, like this, this Bale move is going to work out I think yeah I think we can we can say that now um how did you boys see that that interaction between Kane and Bale like well I, I know that, that some of the haters earlier in the season were saying that Bale, Bale was done I don't know I don't want to say certain names out here but there, there may have been people that yeah, or even people who said it on the pod themselves who knows I said he was like me at, at, at Astro <laughs> <laughs> So there was those pessimists out here, but Mr. Optimism was was sitting here quietly waiting for for the form to the form to come round. And um, as as you mentioned, the link up between um, Kane and Bale has been has been mad. And Bale said it in interviews himself. Part of the reason that he, he came was to to play with the the attacking options that we've got, and obviously Kane and and Son. And he wants to play with with that quality. Obviously, he has played with some phenomenal. Um, phenomenal talents over the past however many years at Madrid and obviously he's bringing that that experience that necessi- that our front line hasn't necessarily got with the the winning of trophies obviously we've got the the Asia Cup from Sun and the, and the Audi Cup as well so it's <laughs> about all they've got in the in the locker between them but obviously he's bringing vast amounts of experience and I'm sure that he will be having conversations with um Kane and Bell. I don't know what it is. Just something that, that, that struck me. It's when they're both standing over the free kick. I'm like, you know what? Kane, Kane he's good at his free kicks. If, if him and Bale are standing over them, I'm like, oh, we've got some options here. But oh, yeah, him, very true. Very true. But, but then I'm just like, and then when Bale is not on the pitch and Kane takes it and it hits the wall or goes to the corner flag, <laughs> I'm just like, why? But when they're both standing there together, I'm thinking, oh, we've got great options here. 
I'm thinking it. The commentator's saying it. And you must have just, as I said in the in the chat, you must have just been watching Aston Villa from about 12 years ago when, <laughs> when Kane scores a deflected free kick. But that free kick that Bale hit in, in the Zagreb game what? was... What a zinger. Was silly. Oh, it was The, the, the dip it was on it mad. was ridiculous. My, it was my dad... Of... Sorry, Eddie. I, I was just going to say my dad is one of the worst offenders for saying that Harry Kane's a danger from free kicks. Like, <laughs> I'm always like, oh, we've got no one that can take free kicks. He's like, Harry Kane can take free kicks. Uh, and I'm all, I always say to him, dad, the last time he scored a free kick was against Aston Villa in 2015. And I think the fact that we're in 2021 now, we finally got enough time between that, between the present day and that free kick for him to finally admit, okay, that was a long time ago. But it, it, it's been a hard slog having to having to remind him every single time. I think p- people that have scored free kicks for Tottenham in that time include like obviously Ericsson's got a, a handful. Lamella. Um, Lamella has scored. Kyle Walker has scored in that time as well. Um, <laughs> wow, that's yeah. a madness. Trippier. Um, there's probably there's probably others, but yeah, yeah Lamella was in my has head. Has Dyer got one? I don't know. No, nah. that's recent. Dyer on. But free to kick. be fair. Maybe Kane, maybe Kane's gassed up because he hit the post against City from, from the free kick. Mm. So, so maybe that's gassed him up a little. It's funny because it? we're already undermining him. Not that well on free kicks, he can he can be judged. I get. I, judged I, I, mean, I mean, I mean, let's be let's be honest here. There's, there was a period where Roy Hodgson put him on corners. So. Well, was a, there must be something he's doing. Don't even. I didn't know. I didn't know we spoke about international football on on the pod. I didn't know that yeah. was a. Yeah, well, we had I you think. on, Aaron. We thought we'd cater it towards... <laughs> it's international yeah. correspondent. Yeah, we're doing a little international <laughs> segment later. So, if we're thinking about uh, free kicks, Eric Dyer has scored a free kick for England, as as we all know. Uh, exactly. Exactly. So, maybe... Uh, the thing is with... And Kane was on the pitch, and Eric Dyer scored yeah, exactly. it. exactly. No, but I think Eric Dyer is probably a better free kick taker than Kane, but that's neither here nor there. Um, I agree. In terms of Bale and Kane, however, that kind of the dream partnership, we said it when he came, like it was kind of a dream come true in the sense that I remember we had a preseason game in 2017 where we played Madrid. And I remember like, you know, like, it was against, it, you know, there's a picture of Bale and Kane like shaking hands and stuff. And you're thinking like, well, how's that like my old favourite Spurs player, my new favourite Spurs player. Like, I, I wish they played together. Like, I wish Bell could come back to Spurs. Oh, it's impossible. Like, it costs too much. And then now we're seeing it and you think, oh, like, maybe it's gone. Like, maybe it's too late. Maybe it's not going to be like what it was. And then you've seen them together, playing so well together in that Palace game where they were linking up so well. And you're thinking, this genuinely feels like something that could have, that, like, it's like a 101 chance of working out where Kane is hitting the peak of his career. Bale, where, where he might not be at the peak of his career, is growing into this different uh, role where he's not a rip-roaring winger, but more of a, more of a, just a very, very classy, technically beautiful player. And we're seeing them play together and it was genuinely astonishing. And we wondered if it would happen this season, you know, you know, let alone ever, let alone ever, we wondered if it was, ha- was going to happen this season with the injuries, with Bell not really looking like he was that kind of player. And it's just, it's beautiful to see. So, yeah, it genuinely feels like fan fiction in a way. Mm. Yeah, 100. I forgot about that photo. What a photo. But um, I feel like we're going to run out of time on the Zoom call. Let's go to a quick break and then come back for part two. 
Hello and welcome back to part two. Um, I think one of the one of the topics that's that's made itself clear in the last two games or so is the fact that obviously we have this plethora, not necessarily a plethora of options, but we've got this great front three in the form of we've got three world class players basically in Son, Kane, and Bale. But Jose is obviously he's dropped Ndombele back. He's gone for that four two three one. And we've got a lot of players fighting to be that that fourth, like number ten, is the is the position that they've been put in. But they're not all orthodox number tens. Obviously, you have got Lucas Mora, who I think's done a great job there. But Eric Lamella again yesterday against Dinamo, I thought put in a great performance. Um, the the assist for Kane's goal was mm. crazy. Classic Lamella. I don't know how many ball rolls were in that. <laughs> he literally dribbled into the six-yard area. But the thing is, he always leaves it a bit too late to shoot. Like, even that shot was so rushed. Stretch. <laughs> he, he, shoots, he shoots with bare anxiety. Like, it's, it's always a rush. He's like a student that, that um, procrastinates until the day before an exam, but like in football <laughs> form. And then you got... Even, well, Deli Ali, I think him coming back into the team and being around the squad has been massive. Um, and Lo Celso knocking around as well. He's coming back to fitness. So, you know, Lucas was brilliant against Palace. But since then, Lamella's asked the question. Um, Deli was decent against Dinamo. Um, what do you guys see as the... I, I, I think I've, I've got a, a few ideas. I'm trying to get myself inside... Jose's head because obviously our next game is Arsenal and that is as we mentioned earlier on it could springboard us for the for the rest of the season there I've got I can see a couple of things happening I I, I think he'll be incredibly impressed with how Lucas Moura has played defensively over the next over the past few games he has he's nabbed the ball out of multiple people's pockets and set us on on attacks high up the pitch which is what Jose is going to love um so he's obviously been playing well um but would it surprise me if Lamella was in there to do the same job? We know Lamella loves a North London derby, loves to, to ruffle some feathers, and I'm sure that's something that Jose is considering. And But it also wouldn't surprise me if Ndombele has moved back forwards and Suzoko is in there as well as as a little bit of extra steel in midfield. It, it, it wouldn't surprise me if that was the case, that Jose just wanted to shore us up a little bit more um, before the game. So I think... Those, I, I think the the bottom of the pile, obviously Lo Celso isn't quite fit yet, but I think the bottom of the pile would be would be Deli Ali at the moment. Unfortunately, would you That's, be I happy don't think with... he's played badly at any point, but no. I just think that the others are in front of him. Would you be happy with Sissoko coming back in, Aaron? Because when you said that, I was just imagining my reaction when that lineup comes out on Twitter, mm. and I, I literally imagine my stomach kind of drop into the floor in terms of. I think we we can afford to be ambitious at the moment. We're looking so good going forward. And I'm probably the biggest Sissoko fan probably in, in the UK, I would say. So <laughs> <laughs> I've always still in North London. But yeah. no, I, I, just, I, I just, I could see it being a move that he does. That, that's, that's, that was more my thought. Not, it wasn't wishful thinking. It was just, I could see it as a potential option. Because obviously um, the, we were to, we were the top top of the league with Sissoko and Hoybier in as a two, that that had us at the top of the league. Though, Aaron, I think that was out of necessity rather than um, out of. This a, is true. This a, is true. A, a choice because I think what he what Jose Mourinho has been doing um, 
and he's done it with you can see he's done it with a lot of players. He's been protecting them when 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 they haven't been playing well by allowing them to actually play. I think in defence he hasn't done that so much with Dyer like having a poor run of form and then him being out the side because we can't afford to, you know to make defensive mistakes they lead to goals. But you saw with Ndombele with, with the fact that he has so much quality but he wasn't he didn't have the fitness allowing him to play in the number ten means he didn't have to be in the engine room. And it also meant that we didn't have to change a central midfielder halfway through a game. Yeah. And, and I think that what Lucas brings um, when he plays is that he's so tenacious that even though he's not a midfielder, he has enough energy to press in the midfield. And I think if you look at the Arsenal team, they play a double pivot. And I think if, if, you, if you think about it in, in that sense, if Lucas is, is, is then occupying mm. those 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 two you know the double pivot it allows for players like Ndombele to have a bit more creative freedom and I think if you also factor in the point the fact that Kane usually drops into that attacking midfielder um, position then it makes it difficult for teams who play with a, a back four and two a double pivot to really mark players out the game so I think potentially that's the reason why going into the weekend I think Lucas will start also the fact that he you know only played 30 minutes or so um, against Zagreb. I think the fact that he was rested is very telling. I think, yeah, it's true. In that sense, you know, Mourinho can't hide who he wants to play on the weekend um, because he will protect them. Aside from the fact, you know, if you play, if you play Kane on, in the in the week, you know, he's likely just to play on the weekend just because it's the same with Lloris, you know. So and yes, and the is. same with the same with Ndombele if he's fit. So. I think Lucas, you know, and and I've been very honest with my opinion on Lucas in in the in the pod in the on the pod in the past, where I thought that he's been very much a head down player, and so he hasn't really um, added a lot to the team besides um, you know unlocking defenses unwillingly. But um, <laughs> I think over the last five games or so, when he has been playing in that central position and not off the right or the left, he's been a lot more effective because just because of his tenacity and the fact that even if he loses the ball, he'll try to win it back. And I think we need that. I think we need that kind of, that buzzing kind of presence in the middle. And I've been been converted. I'm just thinking back to all those times when I said, you know, Lucas, he has that innate Spurs quality. It might not be... (laughs) It might not be um, something you can rely on, but he has that excitement. He just reminded me of he, rem- he. He reminds me of like players of Spurs of yesteryear, like the likes of Aaron Lennon, Wayne Routledge. I said Lennon, but I was on mute. Yeah, 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 he, yeah. he's very Lennon-like. Um, but that, but there's always been a tradition of that. Routledge. Um, is it is it Stefan Dalmat? A little bit before my time. Um, no, it might not be. Might have made a fool of myself to the ninety Spurs fans there. But like the debate was always me against you and Jed in terms of you, you wanted Bergvine to play. And I just, you know, I don't want to dig out Bergvine too much, but I would rather have someone who might lose the ball, but at least looks to drive forward than someone who's going to be solid in like the right wing position. As it turns out, he's playing as a, as a 10 anyway. And we've got Bale on the right. But um, yeah, I'm a big fan of him, but I've always been a fan of Lamella as well. So I think 
if it's him or Lamella playing against Arsenal, either way, it's going to be quite good. And, um, you know, I'll be honest, I, I don't watch Arsenal that much because I've I've kind of gotten past that. Um, not not rivalry, not not that rivalry aspect, but the fact is I just don't really rate them that much anymore. Yeah, like, like I don't really see them as that much of a threat anymore, uh, so I won't tune into their games. But one of the things that did bear out when I did a bit of research for them, research on them for the pod, um, when I was looking to preview the game, is the fact that they keep getting caught out trying to pass it out from the back. And obviously, we saw that with Xhaka's comedy assist for, for they Wood. Did that, they did that on Thursday. They did that, they they did, did that yesterday as did well. They did it against Olympiacos as well. I think, you know, if you've got Lucas in there, if you've got that, that front four pressing... And as well. Uh, we could we could catch them out. That could be somewhere where we get some joy on Sunday. Just to, just to finish on the, the number 10 role, obviously Lamella will... will but I, I presume... I, I agree with Ed. I, I think Lucas will, will be the starter and uh, Lamella, Lamella will come on at some point. But I think if... if um, he comes on. We all know he'll get booked at some point, and we're gonna we'll be here for it. He'll he'll come on. He'll ruffle some feathers, and that'll be fine. But yeah, the 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 pressing from the front will be absolutely crucial because you're absolutely right. The the mistakes that Arsenal are making at the back that's gonna have Lucas and Son and Kate Kane and Bell licking their lips at the prospect of potentially getting a getting a cheap goal. Um, but I also thought the the other. The only other real spot in the in the lineup that's up for discussion is is right back. What what are people thinking on who's going to start a right back? Because there are options. Mm. Yeah, Doherty's been much improved. I mean, since that Fulham game, he he got a lot of criticism. I saw actually um, Alistair Gold stood up for him, wrote an article off the back of that Fulham game where he thought he was quite decent. I mean, to my eye, I just thought he, he was he had a mare. But since then, he he has been good. To be fair. And um, I think I've been quite clear on my views on this pod. I've always been a fan of Serge Aurier. I think he gets a lot of unfair stick, in my opinion. Um, I think it's partly to do with the way he's perceived by people and in the media. I, I, I think he, he's a lot better than people make out. Um, so I'm always pro-Serge. But yeah, like you say, it's a debate now. I think the the improvement of Doherty is massive. It's not to be underrated at all. We actually have options there where we haven't for God knows how long, probably when we have Walker and Trippier still. So I think I got to the point where I won't mind who plays there. I will always favour Serge, but I don't know what you think, Eddie. Um, I just think because Serge should just come back from a little niggle. I think two games in a row might be a bit too much for him right now. Especially because we do actually mm. have Doherty. Like I don't, I don't think Mourinho distrusts Doherty. I think he had the opposite. I think he actually is beginning to trust Doherty as much as he trusts Serge. Um, and I think in that sense, I think Doherty will start just because his fresh legs will rotate our fullbacks. We will Doherty and Red Reggie will come in um, at right back and left back, barring any late fitness um, concerns. Um, but it's good to have it's good to have options. Obviously, they're very different. I do kind of rate Serge overall better because, along with the fact that he seems he seems to be playing better 
attacking wise than Doherty, even though, you know, Doherty's main threat was going forward um, at Wolves. I think Serge has done a, a, a lot going forward in terms of energy. Um, maybe his final ball hasn't always been at like the best, but he has, he does put in a decent amount of crosses and, you know, a, a few of them are genuinely great crosses and all it needs is someone to stick their, their, their head on them. Um, so I think, like like you said, Cosmo, I'm not too fussed about who starts for right back. Um, I think it does depend on who they play at left left midfield. Um, I think we've seen um, in the last couple of seasons that that's now Aubameyang's position um, when Lacazette is fit. So um, pace may be a concern. I know Saka on the other side is also a big concern. Um, with the pace that he has, but um, we do have Reg- Reggie, who's you know he's got blistering pace. So I think that'll be a good battle. Um, and yeah, as long as Doherty's position- positioning is good, um, I wouldn't mind him. I wouldn't mind them starting. Um, and obviously Sanchez plays on the on the left hand side of of sorry the right hand side of, of that centre back pairing. So they, there is a little bit of cover there in terms of uh, pace as well. I think you mentioned the Bamiang and like the pace that that he offers. It did make me think back to some some of Serge's. I think some of Serge's better performances come when he has to be switched on against someone who's really good. I mean, I think back to that against thing. Real Madrid, he had some great performances against Ronaldo of all people. Mm-hmm. There's there's few tougher tests than that. Um, he's really good at getting into that like proper like one on one play against someone who poses a real challenge. I think the problem with Serge's when you face him up against, I don't know, someone, he's someone like, Stop yeah, it. like all Brighton who like, he starts to lose his concentration. Thinks uh, that I don't mean slender Michael Brighton, which is the first average I just, winger. Yeah. I just mean like a slow average winner winger. as well. Dwight McNeil. Yeah. McNeil. Yeah. Someone like that who like, he starts to switch off. He starts to think about going forward. And then that's when he gives away this like supposed penalty that he gives away every game. Um, yeah, according, according to, to some, some fans, some fans yeah. yeah, um, I think that's where the trouble comes with him, but um, I think he could be the, the option, but that would involve playing Aurier Region plus that like quite attacking front four, and all of a sudden we do look quite attacking. But I was thinking about this earlier when I was thinking about the preview for the Arsenal game. Like, if you're an Arsenal fan, in fact, because we've had the misfortune of of growing up among them uh, where we went to school in Enfield Grammar. Sadly, I can get quite into the head of an Arsenal fan and I just know that they are, they're shitting it about the return of Gareth Bell. Oh, I've, know... I've heard from Arsenal fans that they're, they're, they are worried about the weekend. Mm, yeah, because think about it. You're facing probably one of the best front threes in the world. Probably one of the best front threes in the world. Against the Bale. player who loves scoring against Arsenal as well. Yeah, Bale, Kane and Son. It is genuinely, it? yeah, yeah I, I think you're right. It's genuine. It might be genuinely wor- worrisome for, for for Arsenal fans to think that they're going to have to face that um, against a back four, which is, let's say, being ropey. Um, if we if we don't, you know, if we're not mincing our words, we can say a lot more. Um, but um, I think ropey is the best way to put it simply because they've been so inconsistent. There are periods where Arsenal don't concede like for five games where they just like keep a lot of clean sheets and then they'll they'll concede crazy goals. And 
And as you touched on before, their propensity to self-destruct um, when playing out from the back with players who just don't have the quality to do it. I don't think, you know, if you look at players like Shaka, similar to Sissoko, I don't think he enjoys getting the ball under pressure. And um, with his back towards us, I think it's a very dangerous position to put him in, like we saw against Burnley with that crazy goal. But I think even players like Gabriel, um, Holden, Bellerin, I don't think those are the players you want to play out the back with. Um, it was the same with us. So I didn't want to play out the back with our, you know, with Arie, Dyer, Sanchez, and Davies. That was not and the back Lurice, four. The Reese as well. and Tissoko in midfield. You know what I mean? That's not. That's not what we should be doing. And in the same sense, I don't think Arsenal should be doing that. But that does seem to be the way they play. They want to build slowly and putting crosses into the box. That's the way they wanted to play. Um, that's changed a bit because of the form of Saka. Uh, of the form of the uh, the Croydon De Bruyne, um, lest I say that too often, a la Mike, uh, Martin Tyler. Um, you know, we, we've seen that they have had creative midfield players which have lessened the crossing game. But I think the dangers, and mm. you've put this in the running order, um, definitely just come from, I think, the wide, the wide um, players with Saka and Aubameyang. Um, because... Um, because of Smith Rowe's injury, um, they've been playing Odegaard a lot more. And I think he's still feeling his way into that role. Um, he hasn't had really a standout performance. He scored a wonder goal yesterday, but aside from that, he hasn't been playing too well. And I think Arsenal, I think we look at last season, we did the preview for this game. And, you know, we were in a in a let's say, you know, a less favourable position at that point. And we were thinking, you know, a bit ropey, bit, you know, can we win this? If we win this, it's going to be a good result. And, you know, we did. And and that that's what the any kind of derby does, any kind of game against Arsenal. It's, a, it's a, like what Mourinho likes to say, it's a win or win, a yes or yes. Mm. You know, we have to, we have to take that into the, to the game because... Dropping points um, is just not an option. So I think we have to be switched on. I think positioning has to be positive. I think Alderweireld is going to come back into the side as well. And I think Sanchez will start. And I think Doherty will start. So it's going to be interesting. I, Like you said, I haven't really... I'm not really bothered about Arsenal too much anymore. You know, they're meant to be our local rivals. But I think, as again, what Mourinho said... We're looking upwards. We're not looking behind us. So we have to like look upwards, and we have to look at the the teams above us rather than the teams below us. I think I I read a lot into the the two centre backs that Kane will be going up against, and and forgive me, I, I don't know what Arsenal's centre back pairing would be, but I just know that I fancy Kane against both of them. And I, I thought this earlier in the season when I was I was quite disappointed with our, our Liverpool result when Firmino scored. In that game, Kane should have done a lot better against the centre-back pairing he was up against. And it was, um, and obviously we've, we've praised him a lot uh, throughout the pod, but uh, I, I just thought that he didn't punish Liverpool for the frailty they had at the back there. And I just, I look across the, the back four, and I, 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 um, Eddie, you mentioned Bellerin a minute ago, and I just thought, son is going to love it. And I, I look across the back four and I don't see 
who is going to stop them, who is going to stop our front four against their back four. I, 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 don't, I don't see where the, the stops come from. And obviously, I, I know that Party is highly rated and Arsenal fans uh, are rightly to praise him because I'm sure he's, when, when he's contributed, he's contributed well. But he can't stop all four of them. As well. Yeah, he can't stop all four of them at the same time, was, was yeah. the thought that I was having. And I, 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 I fancy our front four. To be honest, and I think it's telling for me. I'm, I'm not. Op- I am optimistic, but I don't like predicting results really, um, because of a, a scare I've had in the past of I predicted a result on the way home from a, a school trip, and I don't know if anyone remembers. I, I was on the. I can't remember who was there. Cosmo, I'm, I'm sure I, you I was were there. there. I know exactly what you're talking. Well, we, we were sat on the back of the bus on the way back, and we were playing Real Madrid. And I don't know if it was that evening or later in the week. And it was I said that evening. That, we watched their Dan Sangs. Shout out to Dan Sangs. That, that, okay, that evening, I said, um, oh, I think we've got Real Madrid. I don't think Di Maria is a threat and neither is Adi Bayor. <laughs> and then Di Maria scores a worldie and Adi Bayor scores a lovely little header. And, <laughs> I remember uh, that. I, I was sat there. I was I like, never that, again. Like, so, never so well. again. I never predict again. And, and I'm really, <laughs> I, I haven't made that many predictions since. But having said that, going going into the game, uh, uh, my my feeling is anything less than a win is a really bad result. My my feeling is I'm going into it expecting a win, which is a feeling that as a Spurs fan you don't have very often. The thing is, I, I wanted to come on to this actually because the Emirates, it doesn't matter how much form we've been on compared to them, it really is a bogey like stadium for us. Like, mm. But we haven't played there in, in lockdown. So the two games that we've played against Arsenal since the lockdown have both been at the Spurs Stadium and we've won them both comfortably 2-0. First one was 2-0, wasn't it? I think it was, they were both... 2-1, yeah. 2-1. I was 2-1. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they got that, that wonder goal through Lacazette. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. But like they've both felt like quite comfortable victories. But I was thinking back to like, when is the last time we beat them at the Emirates? And there was that Carabao Cup game in, I, I want to say, 2018, maybe 2019, where we won. Delhi's chip. And... Delhi's yeah. chip, yeah. Delhi scored, a, yeah, unbelievable chip. But before that, and I think this is the last time we beat them in the league, was Yunus Kabul in 2010 when we beat them 3-2. So 3-2, three, three, yeah. Like, you're looking at 11 years since we beat them away. and Bale must have played in that game. Bale he, he scored. Yeah. Bale scored a Bale's really... That that's game. one of my favourite goals that he scored against <laughs> Arsenal. Um, probably just in general for Spurs. It was so good. He, like, took the touch with the outside of his left foot and then just toe-poked mm. it in. It was brilliant. Yeah. Um, But, like, it's been a bogey ground for us, even when we have had superiority over Arsenal. So... Does that play into your mind at all? Do you guys think of these? I think that we've seen this as a whole with the the lack of crowds that the the home advantage is somewhat diminished, and hopefully that that plays into our our favour. I think when we played the early in the season, there was what a thousand fans in in the ground. Um, obviously we were at home during that game. Anyway, but there there are there's not any fans there. I think that is only that isn't going to strengthen Arsenal. It's only going to weaken them from with their as you mentioned, the, the poor form we have there over the last couple of years. But um, I think, yeah, the, the lack of crowds can only can only benefit us. And I think the, the stage is set for a Gareth Bale goal. Oh, yes, please. That would be magical. I'm such a non-betting man, but I was actually thinking of having a flutter on that. 
I, I think Bale is is just going to be so motivated for this game. This is going to be the mm-hmm. game when he rejoins Spurs. I think he was looking at at this in particular. Yeah, as something to target. Yeah, and I think he's because he's because he's just come into a great run of form. I think it's a perfect time to really put the doubtless away in terms of. Uh, um, even though he's been brilliant over the last six games, seven games, um, a statement performance again against Arsenal would would really it would taste really sweet. It would be like a it'd be like a really sweet one that. And um, yeah, if he gets a goal, even better. But just a good performance. And I think he's got it in him. I think he's hungry. I think I think the, what what I noticed the, the Spurs side that played yesterday is that I don't know whether it's just been, it's been recently, but yesterday we just looked incredibly hungry. Like when we lost the ball, we were, we were pressing. And I know it's against Zagreb. There's like that caveat, but I, I mean, hunger wise, just in terms of hunger, we looked very, very hungry. We looked hungry against uh, Palace. We looked hungry in the Europa League. And I think, there's a real fire in the belly. Like we, we're not dropping back when we've lost the ball. We're pressing teams. I think again, Cosmo, you're going to be happy. I think Lucas is leading the like that press alongside uh, Kane up front. When we do lose the ball, their presses are two, um, and and we've got Bell and Son on on the wings as well. And and even Bell, you know, putting in a lot of defensive work now. And I think we just look really hungry. And I think if you're up for a North London derby, then anything can happen. And I think we've got, in my opinion, we've got the quality over Arsenal. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I, I agree. can just see everyone being so highly motivated. You know that Kane's up for it. He, he, doesn't, he doesn't need any winding up for a North London derby. Obviously, he's the, the all-time top goal scorer in the, in the fixture, um, which is a, a wonderful stat. I've also just read that um, Kane has equaled the most European goals scored in one season for a, a Tottenham player as well. It's another stat that he just happened to to match yesterday. It's, it's um, six more games to, seven more games to do it, to do yeah, it exactly. now, set a record. Yeah, but I think that we, we won't need any any motivating. I think Jose can just just push him out and go. Um, you know, you know, yeah, Toby's obviously he's bagged the goal against Arsenal before. And I think that um, Hoybier... He's as such a leader of men, and he he is going to be well up for up for it as well. I just I just can't see anyone who's not going to be wanting to make their mark in the game. I loved that image of him coming on like after they'd been targeting and fouling Ndombele to replace uh, Ndombele with Hoybier. You just saw yeah. it. he was like he they didn't know what they were in for. Dino Mazzaglia <laughs> with him coming on like just he just relishes violence. <laughs> and I, I love, love that about him yeah it's brilliant um, yeah I think that's another thing um, I, I do think we can win that midfield battle over them because I feel like Hoybier and Ndombele like Ndombele's improved a lot on the defensive side of his game so he made a lot of tackles against Dinamo as well um, yeah so I think we can overpower them in midfield for sure um, yeah I think, I think it's time to come on to some listener questions um, mm. but we got a question from uh, Louis Louis Davis, and he said, "Would win in Europa shut up rival fans?" Which I think is quite an interesting one. Well, I think yes, for for a start, it would, especially the, the 
let's call them the noisy neighbours. Obviously, they they haven't got the they, they were in the final a few years ago, and you just you know for a fact if they'd have won it, it'd have been something that was was lauded in front of us. And obviously, they've got they they have got the the FA Cups over us at the moment, obviously in their recent history. Um, but I think a Europe a European competition is just so different. I think um, five to ten years ago there was a huge um, stigma around the the Europa League, but I, I generally don't think that's there since the likes of United and Chelsea have won it in in recent memory. And I think that it's and, and especially with it being a gateway into the Champions League, I think that it's a a great competition to win. And I've never scoffed at it, but I, I genuinely believe that it would be a a genuinely perfect piece of silverware for us. I think it's probably more valued than the FA Cup and Carabao, at least in my mind. Eddie, what do you think? Uh, I think... I mean, wait, can you just ask the question again? I was just lost in Aaron's answer, actually. Um, Would winning the Europa League shut up rival fans? Um... Yes, I agree with actually Cosmo's point that the value of the Europa League is a lot more than FA Cup and you and and um, and uh, Carabao. Oh, Carabao. Because I was going to call it Colin Cup, like Glenn. Um, <laughs> Glenn. <laughs> um, it, you know, because simply because it's on the European stage, like you're you're you are you are beating your you know teams from other leagues to win it, and I also think the the <laughs> The kind of the the what am I looking for? The rewards for winning the Europa League is Champions League football, and I think although we have a very good chance of getting that through um, top four, we're battling for that. You want to have insurance. You want to have an insurance policy, and 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 I think we, we we should tackle both with the same amount of tenacity. But should we prioritize one over the other? potentially one cup over the other because we could have a quarterfinal quite soon before the Carabao Cup final. I think Europa League takes precedent over um, uh, a top four push uh, or potentially any other kind of cup. And I think the reward is, is greater. But in terms of would it shut rival fans up? Um, no. Simply because um, when... When Tottenham win a trophy, they're just going to move the goalposts. It's one trophy, yeah. two trophies in thirteen years. So I, I don't think we should focus on shutting rival fans up. I think it's more to do with the club. I think what it will do in terms of the club, giving them that taste for trophies, is a lot more important than what Alan, who supports Burnley, thinks of Harry Kane. Or, <laughs> do you know what I mean? I think. Um... Yeah. I think Car- Carabao on its own is not going to shut anyone up. That's the one that I would potentially even feel like a little bit awkward celebrating in a way. Like, obviously, I would celebrate it and we would do very well to win it, having to be City. But um, that's the one that's not going to shut people up on its own. I think Carabao and Europa, then you can look at like Jose and a say, cup double. Yeah, look at the job he's done. He's a winner. Like, you can't really argue with that. But I think, yeah, even Europa on its own, I think that's that would be a huge achievement. Like Spurs' history in Europe, first British team to win a, a European Cup. The mm-hmm. fact that we wear all white in it, you know, it would just be that would just be a special moment. Like, I'm just imagining the the images now. 
Um, it would be nice. It would be nice to see Lloris lift the cup. Yeah. Well, apparently, according to all the fucking commentators, Harry Kane's captain. Harry Kane's so, our um, captain. Yeah, yeah. yeah sorry. So, sorry. Sorry. Yeah. Always my blood. It really does. <laughs> Um, yeah, so next question is, what does this team need in order to be able to compete with the likes of Man City next season? I think the fact that we're even getting those that question show. Am I lagging there? Sorry. No, no, you're good, you're good. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, so what do we need in terms in, to compete with the likes of Man City? I think the fact that we're even getting that question shows that we've improved massively over the past few weeks. Um, Aaron, what do you think? Strength and depth in in positions that we're lacking. Obviously, we're not competing at the moment because of our deficiency in certain positions. And it's all well and good to to plug the the first 11 gaps for those positions. But then what City have got, as pundits say all the time, that the City B team is getting getting higher up the table than most most teams. So when you've got some some of the benches that they have, I always question whether when Pep has Foden on the bench, he's such an incredible talent. And when you've got like Foden, Bernardo Silva, Fernandinho on the bench, that's a that's a quality team. And Aguero, yeah, exactly. Aguero's on the bench. Obviously, he's not the player that he was a couple of years ago. But to, to answer the question, what we Don't need... Don't play about strikers. They've so been two strikers on the bench. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't play Jesus if you've forced me to. So... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're you're the top JC's hater. To be fair, I don't rate him as well. Yeah, you know what? Start... Me too. So that's, that's the point. F- F- Foden, Foden has to start there before him in I any agree. situation. Foden, Foden get get him on get him on the plane to to the Euros, obviously for the the England the the international fans that we've got out there. But, so yeah. none, but yeah, <laughs> just <laughs> me. <laughs> just me, just me cheering on Gareth Southgate on my own. <laughs> I don't. I wait. I, you know, I think we're. If if I'm perfectly honest, I don't think. I think we're a good four or five players away from C, and hmm. that's the same point with Aaron. Like the depth that they have. Um, if you look at Mendy being the third choice left back, that says it all, really. Um, because because. They've got such depth and this quality as well. It's not just another body in there. It's a player who could be in the first team. Um, and I, I think it's it's telling. When we were talking about City earlier on in the season, about protecting players, City are happy to take off De Bruyne, uh, Cancelo, Rodri, Sterling, yeah. Nardo Silva, Sterling, Morris, because they have players that are so good on the bench that it doesn't matter if they take them off. It doesn't mean that they're diminishing in quality. It means that they're just adding a different dimension, which is, you know, which is, you know, even beyond any other team in the league. If you look at Liverpool, the reason why they struggled is because they've got no depth, no quality in depth. Their first 11 carried them through to a league win because they had no injuries. Well, and, um, and whenever, whenever they had a gap, it was just, we'll plug it with James Milner. That'll do. Yeah, exactly. Because only ever had one player injured at any given time. And then Milner it's would fill so... the gap. Yeah, left back, right it's back, so... midfield didn't matter. Milner was there. Matter. Yeah, yeah, absolutely right. And I think this season we've seen that like, the quality and depth they don't have it. Chelsea they don't have it. Uh, Man United they don't have it. When they've lo- when Pogba's gone out the side they've looked poor. They haven't had. They haven't been creative. Now with Rashford out they look even worse. Uh, and if you look at. Um, uh, if you look at any other team apart from City, if you take out the, the equivalent 
City City went on a run with the equivalent of us having uh, Kane and Ndombele out, essentially. That's what the equivalent of them having Aguero and De Bruyne out in terms of importance to the team for us. And they went on a run, a 20-game run. De Bruyne came back towards the tail end of that and he got injured at the start of that. But they went on a 20-game run where they were not just unbeaten, they won every game. That's the type of quality that they have. And I don't think we're... I don't think we we're two or three players away from that. I think we're, I think we're quite a few players away from that. I mean, you guys have both spoken a lot of sense there, but I'm for once I'm going to be the voice of positivity. I don't think we're that. I actually don't think we're that far off. Um, in terms of what is the way that our tran- uh, that our front three has transformed um, with the addition of Bale. I do think Bale, Kane and Son, which hopefully we will have next year, is one of the best front threes in the world. Um, I think in terms of players we need to add, we need a, we need another world-class centre-back if we're going to win the league. That's just non-negotiable. And we need not just a world-class centre-back, we need another decent centre-back on top of that because Alderweireld is going to be a year older, um, you know. That's going to be a problem. I think we need backup for Hoybier. I've mentioned this before. We rely far too much on him. If he gets injured, then we're in massive trouble because Winks coming in for Hoybier is just, that's a nightmare that I don't even want to imagine. Um, so, <laughs> I saw us linked with Sander Burge, which was actually quite interesting um, from Sheffield United, which would indicate that we would go on, uh, that we would loan Skip out, which is probably the answer. And I would have said right back, but with the improvement of Doherty and Aurier, whether they're winning, whether they're league winning right backs is another question, but I don't think it's as much of a priority as it was. And Eddie, I remember you saying that we need another striker because you don't, you don't think Vinicius is up to it, but I don't know, maybe Vinicius bring him back on loan next season. I'm not sure. But we would need luck with that. Obviously, we don't have the depth of City and we're just not going to have the depth of City because we don't have the, the resources that they do. But um, I don't think our first 11 is that far away. And our first 11 slash subspense. Hello, welcome back to part three. I got cut off in full flow there. Um, and we've actually lost Eddie because he's had to go and restart his modem. So not ideal. But I think basically the gist of what I was saying was that I feel like we're going to need some quality additions to challenge for the title and we're going to need luck with injury. But I don't think we're that far away. And I feel like Bale was unlocked a lot. Um, but also Delhi. I feel like Delhi is going to potentially be a, a threat next season. Um, we'll see. I mean, you know, the potential fairy tale is yet to be written. You don't know. You could get the you could get the the goal in the, in the final Europa. You never know. So, I think we I think things are looking so positive. I actually can't believe I'm being this positive, Aaron. I think it's your influence have that effect on on the fans. <laughs> got 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 to, got to spread the optimism. What are you thinking though about uh, the additions? The squad. Are you, are you more on so, my side or or Eddie's side or somewhere in the middle? So I believe attacking wise, it's scary to say that we don't need any more options, but you should always build on the squad that you've got, even when you're winning. I think the only real question mark is, is, is Vinicius. I think everyone else, potentially we could just go again. I've got faith in 
in Bergwijn. I know other people may have lost faith, but they all lost faith in in Bale and Mora as well. So I have I have got faith in in Bergwijn. But yeah, the the the, the midfield uh, there needs to be support for whatever because at the moment if it's not Endombele and and Hoybier, whoever comes in, whether it be Winks or Sissoko, is a, a massive step down. Mm. And then the the defense is obviously a bit shaky, and uh, I I had thought that um, Larice was in his best form at the beginning of the the season, but he's he's had a couple of clangers a bit a bit later on. But I, I did think since Josie arrived, he'd been one of the best keepers in the country, and no one else was saying it. But um, I think that yeah, the def- the the defense and midfield needs to a bit of strength and depth. Other than that, I think we've got quality out wide in number ten. Maybe Lacelso is is an answer. There's someone that can be played a little bit deeper. I don't know, but I think obviously we forget about him because his injury record has decided that since he's joined Spurs, he he, decide, he needs to get injured. And obviously, a player with no injury history prior to joining us, as we've said before. But um, I think yeah, maybe he's an answer, and um, maybe Skip coming back as as we mentioned as well. But we'll have to wait and see. Maybe, maybe we just cash in on on Winks and keep Skip and see what else we can add. That's a really good point, actually, about Lo Celso. I think, I didn't even think of him as the potential backup for Ndombele. I don't think him and Ndombele could play together. No, But no. Um, if we could get someone in as backup for Hoybier, maybe, maybe that could be the answer. But yeah, um, yeah, I think that's pretty much it. Obviously, as we said, we've lost Eddie, so he's not here to sign off. But... Um, yeah, thanks for listening. If you made it this far, then follow follow us on the socials at N17Pod. Um, and yeah, thanks for listening. And thanks for joining me, Aaron. No worries. See you later.